Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Hey, I'm so excited to be here uh, for several reasons. One, I always love speaking at my home church. So for those of you that I've not met, my name is Ian. Um, so, so excited to be here. Also really excited, I, I don't know if you, uh, many of you probably haven't had the chance to preach, but if you ever had the chance to preach, sometimes you get excited about sharing in a place, and I'm really, fi- not that I'm not excited about first service or third service, I certainly am, but I'm excited to be here in this place, all right? <laughs> Pastor Mike T, as the, as, the, as the host, so grateful for him and uh, just the, the graciousness, so um, anyways, grateful for, for being here. Hey, raise your hand if you're a gardener. Anybody here into gardening? Okay, even less than first service, even less. Must be the gardeners get up early and go to first service, everybody else sleeping in. But, um, so I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a gardener, but I will say this, I have a garden, I have a garden. Like we have this big backyard and uh, we don't really have a lot going on back there other than like we just have this big garden. And so uh, my wife is really the gardener in the family. Um, she has the green thumb. I like to say that I have the thumb of death, but I am getting better. I will say that also, like I'm getting better over time. Um, but gardening has taught me some things like trying to really grow things has taught me some things. I mean, part of it is it's, I don't know if you've had the, if you've never tried to garden, then you may not be able to resonate with this, but, but really gardening teaches you that you are not in control, right? Cause it's crazy out there. Like it is crazy. We've got some, some people worshiping in the back there for that. Yeah. So it is crazy out there. Um, like, so we've tried to grow things. I don't know if you've had this experience where you try to grow something and you just can't get it to grow or grow right. Like we've tried to do beans a bunch of times and I don't know what it is. We can't get beans to grow. Like my buddy in his backyard has beans just out of his mind, like just so many beans. And I'm like, it can't be that hard, but we try to do beans and we just can't get the beans to go. Um, but what, it, what I have learned is like, there are things that I try to grow and I can't grow, but then there's a bunch of stuff that I'm not trying to grow that just like ends up growing. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? Like just stuff happens. There's all kinds of stuff that I didn't invite to grow back there, but it it is growing like crazy. And so uh, like we have this giant oak tree in our backyard, just huge oak tree, California live oak. It's beautiful, It's, 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 it's grand. Just try to picture the biggest oak tree in your mind right now, and the tree you're picturing might be as big as the one that's in my backyard, okay? Like it's huge. And California live oak will drop acorns all year long. So literally, my yard is filled with baby oak trees. Like my garden, my yard, everywhere. Like I just walk around and I'm like, gotta get rid of, cause I don't want any more of these things. You know what I mean? I got one's enough, one's plenty. So I'm like, I gotta get rid of that. So we just have all this stuff growing that we don't wanna grow. We have stuff that we're trying to grow that we can't grow. And it's not whether we're complete failures in the gardening area, but I'm just telling you, what it's taught me is that I am not in control. And the text that we're gonna look at this morning is a story in which Jesus uses this same idea to illustrate the kingdom of God. And we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience with the Bible, but but this is one of my favorite. I love this parable. Love this parable. Um, I feel like I kind of discovered it. I mean, it had been there for 2,000 years, obviously. But but one day I was like reading the gospel of Mark and I like stumbled onto it. And I had, it's like I had never seen it before. Seriously. I don't know if you've ever had that experience in the Bible where you're just reading through and you're like, has that always been there? Like, that, that was always there, right? Like, you start checking other translations, you know, like trying to figure it out. But I, I literally stumbled across this text several years ago. And uh, like I said, I feel like I discovered it. And, and, and in that moment, I was just like, oh my gosh, I love this parable. I love this parable because it really, it's just jam-packed with all kinds of truth about the kingdom of God. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into this. Jesus says this. 
This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Like I said, I love this text, and we're going to look at two things in this today. We're going to look at, first and foremost, what do kingdom seeds do? And the second thing we're going to look at is how do kingdom seeds work? Let me pray. Father, we are grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you have given us your word. Thank you because you have spoken to us in this text and and in your word, God. And, And even now, even in this morning, Lord, we know that you will reveal things to our hearts and minds, Jesus. That you will transform us. That you will change us. That you will speak to us. And so, God, we put our faith in you. We look to you. We, we, we long to hear what your, your word and your spirit have to say to us, God. And so we just put ourselves in that position this morning. And we pray your blessing on our time together in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, so the first thing we're going to look at, like I said, is what kingdom seeds do. What do kingdom seeds do? Well, what do seeds do, right? First thing they do is they grow. This might be obvious, and it might even seem silly to have to say this out loud. But think about it like this. A seed isn't created to stay a seed. Does that make sense to you, right? Like a seed isn't created to stay a seed. In fact, a seed is not what a seed is ultimately intended to be. The seed is intended to grow and become something else. And so what we understand, just from the very beginning of this text, we understand that growth is both critically important and intricately involved in being part of the kingdom of God. God is growing his kingdom. God is growing his kingdom in the hearts and minds of individuals, in families, in communities, in churches. I mean, where? I mean, God is growing his kingdom. That's the business that God has always been in, and he'll keep doing it, right? He will be growing his kingdom. And so if we look at the verse, we actually look at the text, verse 27, it says this, right? So night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. These two words right here, sprouts and grows. The word grows is the Greek word mykuno, and it literally means to lengthen or to increase, right? So the picture is, is like the increase of the kingdom of God. That's an interesting idea, right? Because in the, in the ancient world, when the Jews thought of the kingdom of God, they thought, that they, they, they thought Jesus or the Messiah, really. They thought the Messiah was going to come and bring back this like, geopolitical kingdom that had boundaries and like, military force and politics and all that kind of stuff, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 my kingdom's not about that. He, he has to make that point plenty of times, trust me. But he, he's like, my, my kingdom's not about that. That's not what my kingdom actually is. It's bigger than that. It's more expansive than that. It grows differently than that. The kingdom of God is wherever the reign and rule is recognized in the hearts of men and women, right? The kingdom of God is wherever people recognize who God is, who Jesus is, and they submit to that reign and rule. It has nothing to do with geography or territory or boundaries or politics or any of that nonsense. It's just about where Jesus is expanding his kingdom. But the other word, and this is really like, this is really my favorite part of this text. Honestly, this is like my favorite Greek word. You know you're a Bible nerd and you have a favorite Greek word, but, but, but this is my favorite Greek word. The word sprout in this text is the Greek word blastano. Look to your neighbor and say blastano. 
There you go. You guys did much better than first service, just so you know. Just so you know. Um, Blastano, right? So Blastano, it's where we get a word like blast. And what it literally means, it means like a little explosion of life. So you think of the word sprout. It's like this little explosion of new life. It's a little explosion or a blast or a shooting out of new growth. And that's what God is always doing. Right? God is always bringing little pieces of new growth. There's never a time when God is stagnant. We might get stagnant sometimes, but God is never stagnant. He's always bringing new growth, little shoots of life. And what I want you to understand is that God doesn't plant the seeds of the gospel in our lives just so we can stay the same. Does that make sense to you? Like God doesn't plant the seeds of the kingdom or the gospel in our hearts and lives so we can just not grow and nothing ever changes or, or we just kind of stay the same as, the, as we were on the day that we were saved. God has a plan and a vision to grow you into something that you otherwise wouldn't have been. But then I think about it, and it's kind of like a weird little mind game. Not that I play mind games, but I'm just playing this one right now. Is what if God did just leave us where we were? I mean, what if, we, what if we got saved and God was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of leave you right where you are and do nothing else in your life? It's a little weird to think about. And truthfully, it actually makes me uncomfortable to think about it. It, it makes me a little bit sad because what I'll tell you is this. The greatest ride that I have ever been on in my life is the ride of which God has been transforming me from what I was to who I am today. And I believe, even though that I am not perfect and I may not ever be perfect, will not ever be perfect, that God will continue to change my life to make me look more like Him. And I believe, I really deeply believe that God wants that for His people. I mean, in the very core of my being, I believe that. And what I'm here to tell you is don't miss it. Like, don't miss it. Don't, 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 don't sit there and just wait for, for another day where you're going to get serious about really seeking out to partner with God and what he wants to do in your life. Don't miss it. Don't miss out on this ride of which, which, which I guarantee you, you will not regret. In which Jesus does something in you that otherwise, he, that otherwise would not be done in your life. Don't miss that. You don't, want to, you don't want to be on your deathbed someday, on your dying day, thinking, man, I really wish I had given Jesus more of me, or I wish I had given Jesus all of me so that he could have done something great in me. Because I'm telling you right now, right here, God wants to do something great in your life. God wants to do something significant with your life. And that's what the growth is about. And God is growing his kingdom in us, through us, in our families, in our communities. And so the first thing that kingdom seeds do is they grow, but we, what we have to understand is they don't grow for no reason because the second thing that kingdom seeds do is that they bear fruit. Now, when we first read the text, it doesn't say anything, at least in the NIV version, it doesn't say anything about bearing fruit. But if you were to go back in the Greek, you would see that this is actually very explicit and it's richly about bearing fruit. So going back to verses 28 and 29, in verse 28 it says, all by itself the soil produces grain. That word produces actually in the Greek means to bear fruit. We just don't get it in our English translations. And then in verse 29 it says, as soon as the grain is ripe. That word grain literally means fruit or the byproduct of this plant, right? So it, it literally means fruit and fruitfulness. And so the text is talking about fruitfulness. Because if we think about it, fruitfulness is the end goal of the seed. 
Does that make sense, right? Like, like, yeah, growing, the plant growing, that's part of it, and that's fun, and when you're gardening, that's really exciting to watch and all that stuff. It's good, but that's not the end goal. Fruitfulness is the end goal of the seed. The intention of the seed is ultimately to bear the fruit that it was created to bear. You see, the fruitfulness comes as a mark of maturity in the plant, and, and, and the, mark, the maturity comes as the result of the growth. And so just like fruitfulness is the objective of the seed, so fruitfulness is the objective of the life of Christ in us. Listen, I may not know you, I know some of you, and you may not know me, but I tell you right now, and I'm not saying this, it might sound arrogant or crazy or weird, but I'm telling you right now, I know God's will for your life. It's for you to live a life in Christ and be fruitful. Right? I don't know that because I know you. I don't need to know that because I know you. I know what the gospel says. I know what the Bible teaches. I know what Jesus has talked about. And I'm telling you right now that God's will for you is to be in Christ, to grow in him, and to bear fruit for his kingdom. I believe that. Jesus even says in John chapter 15, verse 5, kind of using a similar illustration, very kind of agricultural. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So I started thinking about it. I was starting to think like, well, what is fruit? I mean, what does it mean to be fruitful, right? What, is, what does fruit and fruitfulness even look like? And if you think about just like what is even fruit in its, you know, kind of scientifically speaking, what is fruit? I mean, and first of all, fruit is what contains the new seeds of the organism. Does that make sense? Like, so if you have an apple, right, the apple, the, the seeds for new growth are in that apple, right? And so if you, you know, obviously there's like apple farms and all these different things. You might have an apple tree in your backyard, but, but, but outside of those circumstances, like if an apple tree was just growing in the wild, the apple would fall to the ground and then have the opportunity to decompose and those seeds would have a chance to, to kind of take root and then grow up. So there is a sense that fruitfulness is the reproduction of the organism, right? And then beyond that, Fruit isn't just for that reproductive purposes. Fruit is also meant to be a blessing to others, right? So animals can, can live off the fruit. Uh, I know that the squirrels love to eat the acorns in my backyard. They just love that, those things. Um, they're all over the place. But like, but like even beyond that, like fruit is, is, is a blessing to us. Like we eat the fruit. We consume the fruit. It's nourishing to us. And so in some general sense, fruitfulness is the reproduction of the seed and the blessing to others. And so what God is ultimately doing is he's using us to produce something good for the world, right? Like God is using us to produce or even reproduce the kingdom of God as he expands it, we participate in that as he bears fruit in and through our lives. Paul builds on this theme in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, he says this, the fruit of the spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
So Paul's idea is like, as, as Jesus is growing in you, as you live your life in Christ and in the spirit, what, the, what God is growing in you, here's the fruit that God, here's at least some of the fruit that God is going to grow in you. As, as God fills you with his love, your life now starts to bear the fruit of love. As God fills you with kindness, your life now bears the fruit of kindness. As God fills you with the joy of salvation, that joy now comes out in you. And it's not even really something you can totally handle. You don't, you don't control it. You don't stop it. It's just what God is doing in you because he has grown you and matured you. And now the spirit is bearing this fruit in your life. And I just, I just love the picture of Galatians 5, 22 and 20. I just love the picture of the fruit of the spirit, right? Because the world's going to argue with us on all kinds of different things. And that's fine. Like that's, that's fine. It's even reasonable at some points, but nobody's going to argue with you if you're kind and you're loving and you're joyful and you're peace loving and you're patient you're self-controlled. Nobody's going to argue with that. Nobody's going to condemn that, right? They're going to respect it and they're going to listen, right? And so the fruit of the Spirit is God doing all these things in our life. Fruitfulness is God producing all the good things of his kingdom for the world around us to expand his kingdom. So I have this, like I said, I got the, I, it's just, this, this backyard that I have is just kind of unruly, to be honest. It's just kind of out of control. So we have the garden uh, we have this big oak tree, but we've got some other. So we lived there for about six years, and uh, we didn't plant all these trees, but uh, we, like, there's, a, there's a pear tree, right? And it, it's like a normal pear tree. It's what you think a pear tree would be. So it's got like a trunk, and then it's got branches, and then, you know, it, it, it creates pears, right? It does what it's supposed to do. Uh, but then, like, on the other side of the yard, we have this other pear tree. And if you saw this tree, you'd be like, that is the... That is the dumbest and saddest looking tree that I've ever seen. Like you, and you wouldn't even, I wouldn't even blame you if you said that. Like I wouldn't feel bad because I've said that myself. Like when I first saw it, I was like, eh, I don't know if that tree needs to stay. You know what I mean? Like the tree's looking a little bit weird. So you would, if you saw it, you would just be like, that is, what, why do you even keep that tree? Like what are you even doing with that tree? Because this tree, it doesn't even really look like a tree. It just looks like a tall, skinny stump in my backyard. So it's, it's, it's tall. It's about, it's about my height. And it's just this skinny, it's like the trunk, but it's like somebody just lopped off the top of the tree at some point, and then it didn't grow any further. And so then now it's just got these like weird like branches kind of just shooting off of it. And it's just, like I said, it's just, it's just dumb. It's just ugly and dumb. It's just a weird looking tree. And, and I keep, I, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, man, should I cut that thing down? You know what I mean? Should I just chop it down and get it out of here? And here's why I don't. Here's why I don't. Because every year, it bears fruit. A year after year, it produces pears. And so I, it's like, honestly, I almost feel bad for it. I'm like, yeah, it looks terrible, but it's just do, it's doing what God created it to do, right? And so I'm like, I don't know if I can just cut the thing down. I think about it literally every year, but every year I just don't have the heart to get rid of it because every year it creates pears. I'm like, how can I just cut the thing down? And, and, and the reason I share that story with you is this. Because sometimes we look, at, we look at other people in the kingdom of God or in the church and, and we, see, we see that they're fruit-bearing people and we see that their lives are different than ours and sometimes we, we do the comparison game and we say, well, we're not like them. Like, we're not, I mean, I mean we're not like Pastor Tyler, who, whom I love and respect and admire, but, but, but we're not like him or, or we're, not like, we're not like Mike T or we're, we're not like this person or we're not like the small group leader. We're not like all these people. My life doesn't look like theirs. And so we think then that, that God is using them to bear fruit, but God wouldn't use me to bear fruit. And what I'm here to tell you 
is that it doesn't matter what your life is like. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter, matter what kind of life you've lived or what kind of life you haven't lived. It doesn't kind of matter what things you've done or haven't done. It doesn't, none, none of that matters. God, I'm telling you right now, I know God's will for you. God wants to have Christ grow in you and for you to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how much money you don't make. None of that matters. The only thing that matters ultimately is Jesus in you. It's the only thing that matters. And so I believe that God wants to grow us. I know that he wants to grow us. I know that he wants to bear fruit through us, both at Mission Church and beyond. And so the first thing that, that, uh, that kingdom seeds do is they grow and they bear fruit. But now we're going to look at how do kingdom seeds work? And really, truthfully, I actually think that this point is the true point of this text. Like parables usually just have kind of one big picture point. And I really think that this is the point that Jesus is making in this text. And so, so the first thing that I want to say about how kingdom seeds work is that they work by God's power. They work by God's power. Now, if we go to verse 28, back in the text, right at the beginning of verse 28, it says, all by itself... The soil produces grain all by itself. Now, this, this phrase, all by itself, is actually one word in the Greek, okay? You ready for this one? This is automatos. Fun to say. Still not my favorite. Like, I still think blastino is better, but automatos is fun to say, right? And, and you can kind of see where this word is going. Automatos is where we get a word like automated or automatic, right? It literally means all by itself. It means on its own, or, or more specifically, it means that it works without human intervention. Okay. Stay hydrated, people. Stay hydrated. The point that Jesus is making here is that this is God's doing. This is what God is doing. God is the one who's at work here. God is the one who's growing his kingdom. It's not dependent on human effort. It's not dependent on human control. It's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on you. I mean, we have an amazing team of pastors and staff here. I just, I just can't even say enough. I love the folks who, who lead this church. I love them, respect them, admire them. But it's not even about them. It's about Jesus. God is the one who is doing all the growth in his kingdom, whether it's at Mission Church or beyond, whether it's in your heart or your family or your school, God is the one who does it. It is not dependent on human effort. Paul picks up this idea uh, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I planted the seed. I, Paul, planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God is the one who makes it grow. God makes it grow. Taking a step back in the text, even in verse 27, and this part's pretty fun. It says, night and day, and we're talking about the farmer here, whether he sleeps or get up, whether he sleeps or gets up, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up or goes to work or gets coffee or whatever he does, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Doesn't matter what he does, the seed is still going to grow. And he doesn't even understand it. He doesn't even know what's going on. He just knows that the seed is going to grow. And I know you guys, are, you guys are smart. At least I'm willing to you know, give you that credit right now. Like you guys are intelligent folks. And so um, you know, like you're thinking to yourself right now, like, wait, but don't we know how seeds work now? Don't we know how seeds work? Like maybe they didn't back then, but don't we know? And yeah, we do. I mean, you guys know how seeds work? 
It's actually fascinating. So let me give you a little science lesson. It's super fun. Um, so seeds, seeds are pretty amazing. Like really seeds across the board, like just the fact that they were created and designed by God, it's a pretty amazing little thing. But seeds, every seed has these, these two things inside of it. So the first thing a seed has inside of it is the embryo, right? Which is like the little DNA package for the plant. So it's this little, and that's the life, right? Like that's what's going to grow out of this thing. But then in addition to the embryo, it also has built inside the seed, it has this little food package, right? So there's the embryo, which is the life that's gonna grow, but in order for that thing to like burst out, right, to blast a out of there, you've gotta have a tremendous amount of energy. And so there's the embryo, and then there's this little food package built in there with the seed, right? But then there's, there's this other part, which I think this is actually one of the cooler parts with the seed, the way God designed it, is like, the seed has this outer coating. We would usually call it a shell, but there's always like this hard surface around it. Like the scientific term is the seed coat, okay? So the seed coat is always this like hard surface. And it's built, obviously and rightly, to protect the seed. It's to protect the embryo and what's going on inside there that will eventually sprout into life. Uh, but, but the seed coat has like this really cool, like almost like a superpower, right? Where it can sense if there's water or even like moisture, and what it'll actually do is it'll become, or it is permeable at that point, and allows the water to come in, which then it mixes up with the food source and the, and the embryo, and then that's where you get the little, the little blastino of life, right? Amazing, right? Like, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive stuff. And so, yes, we do know how seeds work. Maybe this farmer didn't. We do. But the reality is, is that Jesus isn't talking about seeds, at least not specifically. Science may be able to tell us how a seed works, but what Jesus' point is, is that the kingdom of God is still a mystery. That God at work is still a mystery. That what God is doing is still beyond us. That the kingdom is something bigger than us, and ultimately it's something that we can't even do. Like, you couldn't do it if you tried. I mean, if, if we tried to do it, you know, like we'd come up with plans and strategies, you know, we'd come up with all these things, like I'm gonna grow the kingdom, right? But, and tr truth be told, like there have been times even in my own life and ministry where I thought I was responsible for growing the kingdom. But the reality is, is we can't even do it. God is the one who does it. And it is, it is beyond us, it is out of our control, much like my garden, and it is beyond our understanding, like it is bigger than you and I. So years ago, I worked, in this, I worked for a construction company. So I had worked for a church, and I left that church, and I was finishing up college, and uh, I, I got a job with this construction company. And, um, you know, it's not like all construction guys are, are, are bad guys. Not all of them are, like, rough around the edges, but a lot of them are. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of them, let's just be honest, like, a lot of them are pretty rough around the edges. There's some, some truth to, to that, if we'll call it a stereotype. And so I worked with all these construction guys, and, and they were pretty rough around the edges for the most part. And I, uh, I had this one guy that I worked with, his name was Matt. Matt was a uh, sweet guy for the most part. Like, he was actually pretty nice to me, to be honest. Um, he always, he would tease me a lot because I was a Christian guy, so he, he knew I was, walked with Jesus, so he would kind of make fun of me, but, but he was nice to me in, in the big picture. And uh, Matt and I got to know each other a little bit, and um, one day Matt shares with me that he's trying to quit smoking. And, and I was like, great, you know what I mean? Like, go for it, man. You know, like I was like, I was encouraging and supporting, right? Like, I, I, I hope you do, right? I hope you're successful in that. But I didn't really think much of it beyond that. Um, but days go by, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this, where, where God puts on your heart to say something to someone, right? And so God starts stirring in my heart. He wants me to share something with Matt. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't know, you know, like, 
Lord, I don't know if I really want to do all this. Like, you know, it's just like a little uncomfortable. Like, you're like weirded out by it. Like, all right, God, maybe. Well, you're, I think you're crazy, but maybe. Like, so then, so then what God, but here's what's really funny about the story. is like what God wants me to share with this guy is there's this really kind of, I'm not going to call it obscure, but this weird little story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 12 about when somebody gets a demon driven out of them and then it le- it's, it's left empty, and then the demon comes back with like seven other demons and fills up the place and like wrecks this guy's life. This is what Jesus asks me to share with Matt, right? This story. And I'm like, oh, Lord, like really? Like, this is so embarrassing. So I like, I like, I like, pull, I like pull like Matt aside. I don't know if I found him at lunch or what, but like I was like, I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of everybody, just, just Matt, right? So I get with Matt, and, uh, and I, I, I come to him, and um, and here's, here's a little tip for when Jesus does this to you, is you can always blame God, right? Um, you're still going to sound crazy, don't get me wrong, but, but you can blame God. So I just told him, I said, hey, God told me to tell you this, all right? right? So you still sound a little bit nuts, but at least you like, bring somebody else into it with you. Um, and so I was like, hey, God, I really felt like God told me to tell you this. And so I tell him this, this you know, kind of strange story, and I just told him, I said, hey, I think the point of this is that like, if you're trying to get rid of something negative in your life, I think you might want to fill it with something positive. And that was it. Like, it was like mic drop, like I'm done. It's awkward. I don't know what else to say. He just kind of laughed at me and said, thanks, Ian. And that was it. And you're thinking that, you're, you were thinking that the story was like he fell down on his knees and got saved and all this stuff. That didn't happen, right? And, and truth be told, I worked there for maybe another year or so. And uh, Matt and I had one other conversation about faith and it didn't go well. He actually got irritated with me. So I stopped working there and I actually went to go work for a church and uh, years go by. Hadn't talked to Matt and truth be told, hadn't even thought about him. And Matt digs me up, finds me, calls me up and says, Ian, let's have lunch. So I go out to San Francisco where we used to work together, where he's still working. And we go and uh, sit at this little cafe for lunch and Matt says, Ian, I got saved. And, and I'm not saying, it, just so you know, I'm not taking credit for his salvation, and he wasn't giving me credit for salvation, okay? Just so you know that. It's not like he was like, Ian, you know, but, but he did say that just my role or my influence for whatever season we had known each other had been some, somewhat impactful, but, but he just said, Ian, I got saved. And, 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 like, beyond that, like, he was saved, but he had, like, started leading, he was leading the youth ministry at his church, and then he would bring him into the city on the weekends to, like, do, to work at this homeless shelter. I mean, he was, like, he was, like, saved and, like, growing and bearing fruit. I mean, he had gotten saved, and I was, like, I was, like, beside myself, like, draw off the floor, like, Jesus, what have you done here? And the point of all of this, the point that what Jesus is saying and the point for me to tell you the story about Matt is you just don't know what God is doing. There's just no controlling it. You just have no idea how or when or who. You just don't know because God is so much bigger than our perceptions. And the reality is, is that God is always, always, right now, God is always at work in the background somehow subtly just building his kingdom, growing people, drawing people to Jesus, and you just can't control it. So this guy, William Barclay, he's, a, he's like a commentator, a theologian, Bible scholar. He says this, we don't create the kingdom of God. The kingdom is God's. And it's just good for us to remember. We don't create the kingdom of God. The kingdom is God's. And so the first part of how kingdom seeds work is that they work by God's power. But, but the second piece I want to point out to us is that God likes to use farmers. There's two parallel truths in here. One is that God is the one who's doing the growing, 
but two is that we get to participate. Okay, we get to participate. And there's two basic ways that, um, that, that uh, the farmer gets to participate. I mean, I mean, one thing that he does is scatter seeds. The other thing that he does is he gets to harvest the fruit. The growing and the in-between piece, I mean, maybe he watered. I hope he watered sometimes, right? I'm assuming he might have watered, but it's just a story that Jesus told. But uh, the reality is, is he was scattering and he was harvesting. And the reality is, is like, like God has invited us to participate in the growth of his kingdom. If, I, don't, I don't know if you think that's amazing, but I'm telling you right now, like when I think about that, I think that's amazing. The God of the universe who created everything we know, who died for our sins, who calls us into his kingdom, he is allowing us in all of our foolishness and our brokenness, he is allowing us to participate with him in the redemption of all things. That is significant. And it's so easy for us, I mean, uh, you know, coming through COVID and then now, like it's so easy for us to really just kind of like show up and sit on a chair and, and kind of be spectators in the church. Does that make sense? Like it's so easy to do that. But what I'm telling you is God has not called you to be a spectator of other people's Christianity. God has called you to be a participator in the kingdom of God. And I believe, man, I mean, because I believe that God is always at work. So I just believe that God is doing something. But I believe that God is doing something here in Mission Church at this place. And why wouldn't we get involved? Why wouldn't you like, sign up for that small group or lead that small group, right? Or, or do production stuff or, or do greeting stuff or do youth ministry or, or whatever, right? Like, like there are so many opportunities to be involved with what God is doing to grow his kingdom, both here at Mission Church and beyond. Sometimes it's just a matter of us saying, okay, well, it's time for us to get involved. It's time for us to start participating in this bigger thing that God is doing. But one of the things that I want to talk about, kind of just hone in on a little bit, because I, 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 think it's, I think it's really important and it's really practical. It's simple. It may not always be easy, but it's simple to understand, is this idea of scattering seed. Again, it might not always be easy, but it is pretty simple that at the very least, what we can be doing is scattering the seeds of the kingdom in the world that we live at the very least. I mean, it's not that hard. Because really what, what Jesus is saying is like, look, I'll do the growing. You just do the scattering. Right? You just scatter the seed. So Henry David Thoreau, I don't think he had Jesus in mind when he said this, but we're going to go ahead and redeem this quote for him. Uh, it says, though I do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seeds have been, I have great faith in a seed. And what I think we need to do as the church is just recognize that, that if we're not scattering seeds, then, then there's no plants that are going to grow up in those places. But if we do scatter a seed, then we can trust, we can have great faith in that seed that God is going to do something that otherwise would not have been done, that otherwise we could not have seen. Just remember this. Kingdom fruit won't grow where kingdom seeds have not been scattered. And so, so just walk around, man. I mean, just live your life scattering the seeds of joy, gather, scattering the seeds of truth, scattering the seeds of grace, the seeds of the gospel, the name of Jesus, right? Tell people weird stories about demons leaving people and coming back if you feel like that's the kind of seed that, that God's telling you to, to scatter. But just walk around scattering the seeds of the kingdom and then let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. 
The only thing that we need to be careful of in this, the only thing that I would want to sort of warn you about is the temptation to, platter, to scatter uh, other seeds. The temptation to scatter other seeds. Because sometimes we look and, and, and we have this perception and, and, we, and we want to scatter that seed. So sometimes we want to scatter some sort of political gospel. And we think like, oh, we really hit them hard with that one. That's going to that's gonna build the kingdom. But that, that might not be it, right? If, if you scatter the seeds of a political gospel, you will get the fruit of a political gospel, which is not necessarily what Jesus is looking for in this, right? We might scatter the seeds of some like works-based, self-righteous, religious gospel. Well, then you might end up with the fruit of a works-based, self-righteous, religious gospel, right? If you, if you scatter the seeds of an anything goes gospel. You're going to get that fruit, right? So we got to be careful that we're not just scattering the seeds of our own perceptions or our own uh, denominational or traditional preferences. Like we have to be, we have to remember that really what Jesus is asking us to do is just to very simply scatter the seeds of his kingdom, the gospel, the truth, his hope, his joy, his love, his grace, his righteousness. So I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I, didn't, I didn't grow up knowing uh, Jesus or anything like that and uh, didn't really have a lot of experiences with church. But when I, was, when I was a little kid, I don't know if any of you guys ever had this, but when I was a little kid, my, my cousin's stepdad, when we would, when I, if I would stay the night at my cousin's house, he would have this like Sunday school bus come around and pick us up and take us to church. And so I would you know, go to church, but I didn't care. I didn't really care about church or anything like that. I just was like there. Um, just kind of doing my thing, whatever that even meant at that time in my life. But so that was like my, my more, more or less my first or earliest experiences with church. Uh, but then in junior high, my best friend's parents got saved. And so there, and I still didn't care, just so you know, like it still didn't make any difference to me. I didn't really even know that they got saved, but um, they got saved and they start going to this little church plant. And again, I didn't care. I'm still just like, now I'm in like seventh grade. I'm still just uh, doing my thing, whatever that is. And, uh, my friend's parents would bait us into going to church. He'd say, if you guys, Ian, if you stay the night on Saturday night, and then you guys go to church with us, we'll take you to the Sizzler after church. All right? All right? Yes. yes. That's, that always gets people, right? So, and you know it's crazy when God's got the Sizzler as part of your testimony, right? So, um, so and we, we were fired. Hey, so we were in seventh grade, and we were fired up on the all-you-can-eat shrimp and all-you-can-eat salad bar, right? Now, that's also the reason why I never went back to Sizzler, just so you know. So that happened as well in the future, but that's not part of the story, really. Um, but we, would, we were just, we were fired up on the all-you-can-eat shrimp and salad bar. And so we would go to church. So we could go to Sizzler afterwards, right? And uh, there's a little tiny church. a little tiny church plant that they would, they would bring us to. Um, I, I think there was only probably 30 people maybe there. And I don't even really know what happened to that church. But they, uh, they didn't really have like a youth. I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of resources. They didn't have a big youth group or anything. But there was a handful of students that would show up on Sunday mornings. So this like older guy, I mean, I was in seventh grade and he, he might as well have been, you know, Moses to me. Like he was, seemed really old. He was probably in his like 60s. But um, this older guy, he, he, he would rally us together right before church for like 10 or 15 minutes before church. And he was, he, I mean, I still can picture him. It's crazy, I don't remember his name, but I can still picture him. Um, fully suited every Sunday, like, like full gray suit, tie, big white hair. I mean, he would just drag us to the back of this church and we would just sit in the pews and, uh, and literally, this was his youth ministry. He'd be like, hey, how was your week? How you doing? You know, all this stuff. Like, that was it. We'd touch base for like five, ten minutes, whatever it was, and then we'd, we'd, church would start. Well, one day when I'm there, somehow it comes up that I don't have a Bible. He's like, you don't have a Bible? 
And I was like, no, I don't have a Bible. We didn't have Bibles in my house. And he's like, I'm going to get you a Bible. And I thought to myself, well, that seems, I mean, that seems like a good thing to have. You know what I mean? Like people have Bibles in their house, I think. You know, like people have tea kettles and sewing kits and they have Bibles too, right? So it just seemed like a thing that you would have. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll take a Bible, right? And so um, he gives me this Bible. And I mean that literally, like this is the Bible he gave me. And he gives me this Bible and, and, and truth be told, I probably used this thing about as much as I used a tea kettle or a sewing kit because I just put it on my shelf and sat there. And years later in high school, about five years later or so, I'm a junior in high school and, and I don't really have time to share the whole story, but I'm a junior in high school and I just get to a place of brokenness, just desperation, hopelessness, like just just really hurting. And it was my, a lot of it was my own fault. It was my own doing. I mean, I just lived my life in a very wrong way. And I just got to this place where I was just so desperate and alone and afraid. And I didn't know what to do or where to go and, or where to turn. So I said, well, I, I think I should pray. So I start praying. I don't know who God is really. I don't know anything about God. I don't know Jesus. I just start praying. I don't even know what I was saying, but I was just at night, I would, I would kneel down by my bed and I would pray, just asking God for help, just help. And it didn't make me feel better. I'd love to say it did, but it didn't make me feel better. But I thought, you know what? I know, I know what people do. They read the Bible too. So I picked up this Bible and I, and I started reading it. I didn't, know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know a single thing about the Bible. So I said, where do you start reading a book, right? We start at the beginning. So I picked it up and I start reading the beginning, you know, and Genesis is a lot of fun. Love those. To this day, I love Genesis. Exodus is awesome stories, right? Love that. But then you get to like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And, and I, I don't know that I finished the whole Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, but I, I, I probably got through most of it. And as I'm reading like these, these other three books, it's all about like God's law. It's all about like, here's what sin is, right? And, 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 and what's crazy is that Paul, later on in the New Testament, will say that the purpose of the law basically is to make sin appear or be utterly sinful. It's for us to understand how, how impactful sin really is. And so that's what I really truly believe happened to me because as I'm reading this, I'm reading this text and I just keep seeing things over and over again that I've done. I've done that, I've done that, I'm doing that. I was gonna do that tomorrow. Like I've done all this stuff. It's all about deceitfulness and brokenness and all these things, right? And of course, there's some obscure stuff in there about like not wearing shirts of two different types of materials and you're just like, I don't even know what to do with that. But, but all this other stuff, like I literally now, so here's what's funny, right? Is I had done, gone through all this because I just wanted God to help me. I wanted God to make me feel better and I actually feel worse at this point because now I'm convicted. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like realizing like, oh my gosh, this life that I've lived has been not pleasing in God's sight. And I started to literally wear and, and carry the burden of my own sin and brokenness. And so I'm walking around with all this. It's guilt, it's shame, it's, it's, it's heavy, and it's, 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 it's a burden, right? And I don't know what to do with it. So I'm still praying, I'm still reading, but I said, you know what? I know what I'll do, I know what people do. They go to church. So there was this little church a couple blocks from my house, and I happened to know a couple folks who went there. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to church. Truth be told, I didn't expect them to be welcoming at all. I expected them to like judge me and not like me, but I went anyways, and I, just so you know, I found the opposite. They were very welcoming, very loving. Um, but I went there, and, and I didn't know anything. Man, I didn't know that Jesus was the central figure to Christianity. I certainly didn't know that he died for my sins. I didn't know anything. And so I'm there, and I'm listening, and every single week, this man's preaching about Jesus. Every single week, he's talking about Jesus. 
and I'm still feeling this burden. I'm still walking around carrying my shame. I'm still walking around carrying this whole thing, feeling just the weight of all this. And, I'm, and I just keep hearing about Jesus. And even in this moment, man, I, I said, man, I know what to do. I see him. They pass this plate around and they're putting their money in it. I was, that's what I'm going to do, right? So, so I start putting money in the plate. Like I'm going to pay Jesus off for my sins, right? And uh, just so you know, that didn't work. That is not a strategy that you should use. Um, and it was just week after week after week. And I don't know, I don't even really know what, I know what Sunday, the first Sunday I went to church was the Sunday after Easter. I won't bore you with why I know that, but, but I know that it was the first Sunday after Easter. And I know I got baptized in August. I have no idea what week it was between those two Sundays that I gave my life to Jesus. But there was just one Sunday when the gospel finally made sense. When whatever it was, the, the, the Holy Spirit illuminated my eyes and my heart and, and the, the pastor just put it together that all I needed was Jesus and to accept Jesus to be forgiven of all this sin and shame and guilt and burden. And, and, and I'm not trying to just say this because I'm in church. I'm not saying this to be hyperbolic or to exaggerate in any way. I gave myself to Jesus that day and I literally felt the burden be lifted off my shoulders. Like I felt the weight be lifted off me. And I left church that day. I'll never forget it. I left church that day. I walked home because there's only a couple blocks. I walked home and I can still picture it. I can still picture the sun in the sky. I can picture the, 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 just the beauty of it all. And I can still picture just walking down this street, looking at the, the cracks in the sidewalk, feeling the weight of that burden having been lifted and the joy of God's mercy and salvation, knowing that that burden was over. And why do I tell you that story? Because one guy some old, older guy who I don't even know his name planted a seed. And, and truth be told, this isn't just a seed. I mean, this is like a bag of seeds. This is like a five-gallon bucket full of seeds. But like he had the courage or the faith or whatever it was to plant a seed. And God took years to germinate that seed in my life. But then once he did, man, nothing has ever been the same. Nothing has ever been the same. And so, Mission Church, here's what I believe. I believe God is calling us to grow. I believe that God is calling us to bear fruit. But I also want you to know that you can have faith in the seed. God is doing something. God is doing something. And He will continue to do something. Let's just be faithful to Him. Let's scatter the seeds of joy, scatter the seeds of the gospel, scatter the seeds of the Word of God, and let God do what only God can do. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your righteousness. Thank you that you have called us. You have, you have planted seeds in our lives. You have grown us. You have transformed us. You have bore fruit through our lives. And you will continue to do that because of your goodness, your power, your love. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth, your promises. Thank you for everything. May we, God, go forth and be fruitful. May we scatter the seeds of your goodness. May we scatter the seeds of your kingdom. And may we be amazed by what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.